Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. We have a brand new podcast. Visit myprivacy.help to subscribe. Did you know you can completely control your personal information without relying on a third party? Faris, Gordon and industry experts explain how you can reclaim control of your data, your privacy, your life. Visit myprivacy.help. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Basics Podcast. Time of recording is the 21st of June, 2023. The price of Bitcoin is 28400 is moving up as I speak. The block height is 795254 And how many Satoshis will a dollar get you? That will get you 3519 Gordon, how are you doing? Good, mate. I noticed the big smile when you mentioned the Bitcoin price, so I might have to have a look into that <laughs> after we stop stop this recording. Um, yeah, I'm good. We, we interviewed uh, Rob uh, Clarkson from uh, Laser Eye. What is it? I should well, probably get that right before I actually mention it. Well, bulk cards and they have the laser eye card option, which is something that I ran into Rob uh, at Bitcoin Alive in Sydney, and he was showing people these cards that light up, these red-like um, cause you know, like we had laser eyes on Twitter. So we've got laser eye cards. So these eyes on these cards light up when you process a transaction. So it's really cool. It's a lightning card. Um, he explains it and then you can, yeah, you can get these cards, um, designed, um, and then you can get these laser eye bolt cards. It's quite, it's quite cool. It's not just a gimmick. They actually do work as proper, um, lightning cards. Yeah, super cool. And, and we're privileged to be able to interview all these people for us that are doing some amazing stuff in the Bitcoin space. And we talk about Bitcoin being slow and boring and whatnot, but there is so much happening. Yes, it's maybe happening in that layer two uh, lightning um, sort of network, but yeah, it's super exciting. Bitcoin adoption is uh, slowly Moving ahead, maybe not as fast as some people wanted to, but yeah, people like Rob and those kind of projects bring Bitcoin to the masses. And he tells a story of, you know, merchants who are paying ridiculous fees. So it's a no brainer, but, um, the powers that be and these corporations don't want us to, um, have our own control over our own money and be able to save on fees. So there's a massive friction, but yeah, excite another exciting project that we need to keep up with. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. Uh, so, yeah, so what we do is we just have a chat. And then at the end of the show, me and Gordon would actually do a proper intro um, and just, yeah, talk about and we'll get you to show yourself um, towards the end. Um, but, yeah, just conversation. Not All in right, that way. We'll get into it. What do you mean show yourself? <laughs> you show this is this is not only fans. <laughs> Come on. That's staying in the podcast. Hashtag only fans. All right, this is the beginning. Up. Go for it. Okay. Rob, thank you very much for joining us. I think um for the first time in I don't know how long, you're probably in a place that's colder than where I am. Yeah, it's um it's definitely a bit frosty on the ground these mornings. Um yeah, we're looking forward to a bit of snow, but there's there's not been too much yet, so fingers crossed. Yeah, so just for our audience, now you are based in Queenstown, New Zealand, but from the sound of your accent, like, well, people presume I'm from New Zealand. Or, uh, um, tell us who you are, where you're from, your Bitcoin origin story. 
Yeah, so my name's Rob, and obviously I'm originally from the UK. Um, I decided a few years ago that I had to go and see a bit more of the world, so I came over to Australia, and then I came over to New Zealand, and that was in 2008, and I got to Queenstown, and I thought, this place is nice, I'll stay here for a bit, and then 15 years later, here I am. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, in that time, I was lucky enough to stumble across um Bitcoin for the first time, seeing a friend on Facebook saying he'd bought his first Bitcoin. And I thought, wow, what's 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 a Bitcoin? So I looked looked into it. I had a bit of a cursory look, looked a bit kind of Wild West-ish and cowboy-ish. And I thought, uh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it for now. And then discovered it, you know, discovered it again kind of six months later. I can't remember why. And I thought, okay, it's still here. And it looks like it's bigger and there's more going on. And fortunately, I had a look at the, the white paper and I I didn't understand it all, but I understood enough to know that it was um, it was very significant. It was unlike anything that had ever been around before, and it grabbed my attention like nothing else has. I think my computer science background helped me understand how significant uh, an advancement it was. Um, and then s- since then, I you know went down the rabbit hole and um, listened to all the podcasts that I could. Andreas Antonopoulos was a big big influence for me. Um, he he suggested instead of trying to tell people about Bitcoin, try giving them some. So I did that. I started doing that, and I, I went and handed <laughs> handed out you know five bucks worth of Bitcoin left, right, and sent it to everybody, anybody who'd listened to me. And that was that was quite funny because um, when you give people Bitcoin uh, a while ago and then they come back, it's always quite it's quite cool to kind of have a great hey Rob, you know that Bitcoin you gave me, blah blah. blah. You know you have those kind of conversations. So it's quite cool. And then I think. Um, I kind of came to the same conclusion that you guys did. I thought, right, what what do we need to do here? We need to help educate people, help people understand Bitcoin, because obviously not everybody has a computer science background. And honestly, I don't know if it's the best thing to have as a background, because there's quite a lot of people with a computer science background who, who don't take Bitcoin seriously at all. So it does make me wonder sometimes, what is it about people who kind of get Bitcoin? Is it a curiosity thing or an openness thing? I don't know. But um, yeah, I decided that, yeah, I should start teaching people Bitcoin. So I just do small classes in Queenstown, um, you know, groups of like, small groups of like 12 to 15 kind of thing. Uh, and we go over all the fundamentals, like basically what it is, how to use it, how it works, high level, lightning network, how the lightning network works, high level, mining, and then hardware wallets or storing it safely. And so I, I feel that's quite a quite a good holistic sort of overview. And um, yeah, since then, met up with, been a kind of an explosion of kind of community meeting, I feel, maybe, maybe in New Zealand, maybe around the world. But um, yeah, I got in touch with lots of the New Zealand community through um, Telegram and, and that was good. And um, I feel there's a real groundswell of people trying to, now do things to help facilitate Bitcoin, which is great. And I'm trying to help out with that as much as I can, encourage merchants to accept Bitcoin. And um, and I also do um, some development on the open source bulk card standard uh, as well. So um, yeah, just just doing, doing what I can, I guess, with the skills I have. Wow. So workshops where you learn about Bitcoin and how to buy it and keep it safe. Hey, Gordon, how come we never thought of that? No idea, Ferris. Um, 
Wow, Sorry, Rob, Rob, you, inside you... joke. We've been trying to run those workshops ourselves. So, um, uh, sorry, go ahead, Gord. I was going to say, uh, learnbitcoin.nz. Is that still active running? Do you still run workshops? Yeah, so it's it was a lot easier a while back when the price was going up. I feel people take more interest in it then. It was very easy to get a class together. And I've, I've advertised quite a few classes while we've been in the bear market and it's much harder to get people interested, but um, I'm putting, I'm doing another push to try and see if I can get the, the courses rolling again. So hopefully, I mean, it's a small market Queenstown. So uh, at least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully it gets going again soon. Uh, we've had a similar experience. Um, we've had, we've had a few workshops for us, but yeah, uh, we certainly noticed then, when it's in a bear market or when Bitcoin's doing nothing in flat, not a lot of interest. Um, but yeah, I, without any price predictions, I think that's going to change uh, pretty soon, if not now. Um, yeah, so it's interesting, Rob, uh, you sort of come from a computer science background. Was that, was the technology what sort of got you into Bitcoin or was it more the philosophy, economics? What, what, why, and, and why Bitcoin? Why not Dogecoin? <laughs> well, I did. I did take an interest in other cryptocurrencies as well. Um, but I always felt there was not a lot of substance to them. So from my, just from my gut feeling, there was always more to Bitcoin. Um, and I think, yeah, it's like I say, it grabbed me. The other ones, I guess everybody goes through a similar stage with the, with the other cryptocurrencies you kind of go, all right, this is primarily just a, a kind of a, this is going to go up in value kind of thing rather than a, actually something technical or something important that we're doing behind the scenes. And so, um, yeah, kind of eventually came to the same conclusion that everybody else does that, you know, Bitcoin's the one that's sort of doing the useful things here. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? No, that's all good. There's no right or wrong answer, but you gave the right answer. Um <laughs> No, that's a good. So, um, what you're doing. Okay. So let, let's get into it. Um, you, you have a card and I want you to go through sort of, uh, sort of a high level sort of stuff. Um, but someone to listening to this may have some Bitcoin. They may have Bitcoin on a hardware wallet. Why on earth would they want to spend their hard earned Bitcoin buying stuff on a card? Yeah, that's a side, I presume, in the bulk card in particular. Um, yeah, so I feel like, so I take, um, I actually forgot to mention these guys. So I'm, I'm, I'm also a director in a company called Laserized Cards and we, and we produce the bulk card. Uh, and they, I work with a team of guys, Chris, Simon, um, Peter and James in the UK. And we, we work together, um, to produce these, these cards that have LEDs in them. And so when you, when you tap them, they, they, they light up, and it's that laserized meme. But um, yeah, so the question was, what, why do you, why should you sell, spend your Bitcoin rather than just hold them? And I, I feel like hodling makes perfect sense because you've you've got the hardest money known to man. It's like the best money we've ever had. So you, you certainly wouldn't want to spend it. You'd want to spend your dollars first. But um, Chris, uh, my partner from Laserized Car, says if you spend if you have the chance to spend Bitcoin and you spend dollars instead, what you're doing is you're perpetuating the dollar. You're not perpetuating Bitcoin. So if you want to see a Bitcoin future, then you have to use Bitcoin. And unfortunately, it means that, yes, you're spending the hardest money known to man, but the idea is that you spend and replace. 
And so instead of HODL, I think um, I've seen Nathan Day, who does the btcmap.org um, website, he says SPEDEN, I think is the, the abbreviation he had, which is basically to spend and replace. So you should spend your Bitcoin when you can with other Bitcoiners who accept it, and then you should replace it. Ideally, buy more when you replace it than than you spend, so you can, you're technically still hodling as well, would be my answer to that one. So the lightning, sorry, the laser eye cards, is it, is it actually a debit credit card? What, what is it, the card itself? What does it do? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So it, it's different from a, a Visa or a MasterCard, the typical cards you can find, because those ones, you what you typically do is you load them up with, um, or you load your account up with some Bitcoin. And then when you spend it, it, it exchanges your do, uh, dollars to Bitcoin and then, and sorry, exchanges your Bitcoin to dollars and then spends the dollars at the merchant. And the, the laserized card or the bulk card is is different because it actually authenticates a lightning payment from your lightning node to the merchant's lightning terminal or lightning pause. And so it's compatible with sort of Breeze and Vault Pay and loads of others that are listed on the, the Vault card, PTC Pay server and, and loads of others. So it, it's only compatible with merchants who accept um, lightning payments at point of sale and have a um, an NFC-enabled reader or a um, a bulk card um, enables point of sale, if that makes sense. Yeah. And with the merchants, like where are you, where are you finding that merchants are receptive to set it up? How is New Zealand? Are you in the, I mean, you mentioned your partners in the UK. What's, what's the culture like? Yeah. So it's in the UK, they're quite lucky. They have an, an exchange called Coin Corner, and these guys, Coin Corner, actually came up with the original concept for the bulk card, and um, they provide a bulk card service as part of their exchange, and it it's, it still works on the Lightning Rails, which is good. Um, so it's much easier for um, the guys in the UK who I work with. Some of them are part of the Bridge to Bitcoin group, and I don't know if you've heard about them, but. Basically, they're they're helping to facilitate merchant adoption on a volunteer basis in the UK by going to going to merchants and saying, "Hey, have you thought about accepting Bitcoin?" And then, if the merchant's not receptive to actually accepting and holding Bitcoin, then they have they have this option of Coin Corner where they can accept Bitcoin at point of sale. And what what the Coin Corner exchange does is they exchange that two pounds sterling at the point they get paid, and therefore they don't actually have to go near the Bitcoin. So it's like you're able to accept Bitcoin and then receive pounds sterling in your account, in your bank account. Uh, and I think that's quite, it's their sort of their last backstop to um, basically help onboard merchants to Bitcoin. So if Because obviously selling Bitcoin, is, as you know, it's, it's a real hard sell. The merchant has to be essentially orange pill to understand why accepting Bitcoins and holding Bitcoins useful important, and important because of all the extra hoops that you have to go through with the accounting and the, the tax and the, all that kind of carry on. So with this coin corner service, which we, you know, we obviously can't get in New Zealand, it's quite good because the merchant can accept Bitcoin and then it's yeah, converted into pounds sterling at point of sale. So if they dial up 10 pounds on the terminal, it, it charges the amount in sats. And then as soon as they pay, the merchant's guaranteed that 10 pounds minus whatever the merchant, um, the exchange fees are with coin corner, if that makes sense. And these cards, um, you guys just sell them. Is that basically how your business 
runs a profit. You just sell the cards. You're not making any commissions, any spreads, anything like that. So yeah, our, the cards we sell are um, they can be connected to um, either Coin Corner service or they can be connected to your own um, Lightning node. So the the cards are programmable. They're basically blank when we sell them, and so you receive them, and then you you can use an app to connect them to um, to a service that will pay. So it yeah, it can be entirely um, self custodial. So you can run your own node. You can set up your own bulk card service, which is essentially like a server that runs. And when you tap the card, the card has the URL of your bulk card service on it. And then the merchant's point of sale sends a request to your bulk card service requesting the amount that you've tapped. There's two special values on the on the card that when you tap that are encrypted so that the so that your server knows that it was your card that was definitely tapped. And then your service pays the mer- uh, the merchant's point of sale invoice. It's a bit convoluted, I know. <laughs> hope that hope that made sense. No, no, you've explained that well. Yeah. Um, just just zooming out a little bit. So, is there? Well, maybe I'll rephrase it this way. Outside of the UK, um, is there a way for someone to use the bulk card or your card without a Lightning node? Uh so. Yes, if you have an, an Uncle Jim who's happy to run a, a bulk card service for you and you trust them, you could potentially custody your sats with them. And then when you tap your card, it would be your friend's lightning node that's making a payment for you. So that's there's like a you could do a community model. Um outside of the UK, is there any kind of service that you can do? So well we we built an app called the Bulk Card Wallet. And so the bulk card wallet is an app that you can download on the Play Store. It currently only works for Android at the moment, unfortunately, because those are the those are the only phones that can program the cards right now. Although we're we're currently working on iOS um, card programming right now, so I'm hoping that's going to be ready in the next month or so. But don't hold me to it. Um, and so, using the Bolt Card Wallet, you can connect that to a Bolt Card Wallet Hub, which connects to a Lightning Node that pays the invoice. Um, so the the options are you could use Coin Corner service if you have if you're able to use Coin Corner, they only operate in certain countries, and that would be a custodial KYC service that you'd use there. Or you run your own Lightning node, or somebody who you trust runs a Lightning node and is and is happy to run that service for you. So those are the ways that you can use the, the bulk card currently. Okay, and this bulk card service, which connect sorry, bulk card hub, what what is that? So yeah, the bulk card hub is basically an intermediary between the Lightning node and then the, the merchant's terminal. So when you tap the card on the merchant's terminal, the merchant's terminal talks to your hub with the details from the bulk card and it checks that they're correct. And if they are, the, the merchant's terminal is then allowed to send the Lightning invoice through, which you then pay. So it's basically the bulk card service has to be running on a server somewhere for the card to work. So it can't work without this background service somewhere. How long did it take you guys to set up this infrastructure? Um, well, so it's quite interesting. When I, I was back in the UK um, last year and I, I met um, Chris at Bridge to Bitcoin and Peter Rounce, and they were both um, working together on sort of uh, merchant sort of onboarding and, and the programming. And Peter had already written the bulk card service because he'd seen that um, he originally Coin Corner came up with the concept, but it was closed source and it was. KYC and Coin Corner only, and so he wrote, wrote the same bot card service, but in an open source manner, so that anybody could run it. 
So their service was already there. And so um, I didn't have to write that. And so I built what we what we did on top of that. And that took us, it took us probably about a month to write the, the hub and get the and get the um, bulk card wallet app running as well. Um, yeah. Well, sorry, for a new piece listening to something in like years, but it took you guys a month. This is obviously my level of technical expertise because what you've just described, thinking like, you know, building the internet. But um, sorry, while we're on the conversation, where can people go to buy a boat card? Just what's what's the link? Yeah, so the the laser eyes cards. If you want, if you want a pretty cool one with the with the flashy laser eyes, that's lasereyes.cards. Um, if you want just a, a a regular bulk card with a nice design on it, you can buy them from Coin Corner. So you go to Coin Corner's website and you can buy a blank bulk card from there. Uh, you can get blank ones much cheaper from the manufacturer. And there's like um, there's a few links. If you go to bulkcard.org, there's links to different places that you can buy blank bulk cards from. So if you get the blank ones, obviously you can put your own design on them. Um, yeah, say you ran a pub you, and that accepts Bitcoin, you might be keen to sell um, bulk cards that have your kind of your pub logo on and that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's recommended that people have multiple Bitcoin wallets. Is it the same thing with these cards, or can you always just change the Lightning address channel on the card itself? Should you have multiple cards, or is just one enough, and you can change the um, the destination recipient address on that card? Yeah, that's a good question. So the cards. The cards connect to the service. So let's say, I mean, you, you might run the Lightning node for your family potentially. And so pe- members of your family might have a card each. And then they could all they could also have separate balances uh, on the hub and their card would relate to that balance on the hub. So um, it's really, you, you don't need more than one card, but let's say you had two Lightning nodes you might have two services and then you might have two cards. That would be a, a good reason to have two cards other than you being the uncle Jim for a community of people who use them. There's, um, if you look on Twitter, the, the Bitcoin beach Brazil guys, they, they are setting up, um, bulk cards for, uh, children in their school. So all the children buy their fruit and, and veggies and stuff at break time using the bulk card. And they've got videos on Twitter, uh, that you can see the school kids there using them. So that's pretty, it's pretty cool to see that. So that's another way of doing it. Basically, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm a tech guy as well. I'm, I'm trying to, in my head, sort of look at the infrastructure and, and whatever like that. Before I get there, how does this interoperate or does it with, say, BTC Pay or uh, other Bitcoin um, sort of point of sale stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, the point of sale terminal must have an NFC reader on it. Uh, and then the app running must be able to accept a, the bulk card. And it's not it's not actually that hard from a merchant, from a, a merchant pause developer point of view to enable the bulk card. You just have to read the NFC. And then the, the NFC card returns you a URL with two parameters on it. And, the, and then the, the, you're following the LN URL spec. So you basically do a request to that endpoint. So um, there's, um, there's devices you can get. So the, the, there's a company, there's a few companies who sell essentially Android mobile phones dressed up as posits and they have thermal printers mm-hmm. and they have NFC readers on them. 
And so any of the apps that you install that support the port card will work on that. And it, and it works quite nicely because the batteries in those POS terminals last a long time. And it's much easier than getting your phone out of your pocket. Of course, it's compatible with any phones with an NFC reader. So the good thing about it is a merchant just with a phone doesn't need to pay for any special equipment. They can just install a POS app on their phone, load it up, and you can tap your card next to their phone. Bang, that's all you need. So it's... Yeah, so it's Rob... Really- for non non tech people, NFC is what? Sorry, yeah, it stands for near field communication. But really, all it is is it's the same uh, as tap and go or pay wave. It's exactly the same as that. So you just wave the card near the reader, ping. That's it. Payments made. Okay, we're we're seeing a lot of um, fees being passed on the consumers for using the tap and go services. Is that you go have that issue with the bulk cards? No, that's the great thing about it. So because because all it does is initiate a lightning payment, there's no additional fees for using your bulk card. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's really cool in that respect. You can have you can have tap and go with the lightning network with zero additional fees, other than obviously the lightning payment itself. Well, um, yeah, I mean, we um, I think it was a year ago we interviewed. Uh, James and Nikki, when they moved from New Zealand to El Salvador, and they're you know living off of lightning on a daily basis, and that that's that was really cool to see. So, um, and this is something that people don't appreciate until they start to see the plumbing of Bitcoin is you know swift transactions, you know are can be thirty percent. Um, you know, if you can send a hundred dollars to someone, it still costs you thirty bucks. It can, it's getting better, but it's still insane. Whereas, yeah, you can send millions and millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin for a couple of dollar fee. Um, and with Lightning, that's, yeah, it's it's pretty, I mean, the future is here when it comes to, you know, the hurdles that we had in 2017 with Bitcoin. Oh, you can't use it at point of sale. Yeah, I think it's, I wasn't actually that impressed when I saw the bulk card first, first off, because I assumed I assumed it was a coin corner only thing. And I thought, oh, well, that's great. It's just communicating with coin corners server and then yeah when it became clear to me that this could be done in a in a, an open source way i thought wow that's great because we've met the legacy payment standard of tap and go on the bit on a bitcoin on the bitcoin lightning network so it's it's great because that convenience of tapping and going is is so useful for merchants and merchants appreciate it because it's less faff at the till when they just want you know they just want to make the sale and for the customer to pay and then they can you know they can move on to the to the next customer kind of thing and then that's the kind of the benefit you get from it so it's it is actually quite an important thing that um that's, so it's quite useful to have yeah definitely uh, yeah i was at just an osteopath path masseuse yesterday and you know, she runs a full-time business and she's not even using the merchant FPOS card carriers because it's too expensive. She'll just give you her bank account details and trust that you're going to pay her. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? The, the kind of the fees that we have on the, on the traditional payment networks. And they're only, they're only like that because they've had no competition. I mean, it's not like anybody else can set up a Visa or a MasterCard. So I think this is why it's so important. Yeah. That we help, facilitate additional payment rails for merchants not least because of the resilience as well so if they're if the the other networks go down for any reason which sometimes they do then you've still got another option to pay but um yeah i yeah i think it's i think it's a big i think it's a big deal for merchants 
I was talking to a, a bar in Queenstown who said that they could uh, afford to employ another another couple of full-time staff members on the amount of merchant services fees they pay annually. So that's, that's, that's huge. It is, it is a busy bar, uh, but it's just a, it's, it's quite a lot of money that is taken um, in the, in the, by these legacy payment networks. And so, yeah, I think um, given that you can use the lightning network really quickly and easily, albeit in a custodial fashion right now, there's sort of no, there's no reason why, you know, if I was a merchant who knew enough about it, I wouldn't be interested, you know, but that's that's the problem, isn't it? You know, getting the merchants interested. I have an important question. The bar you're talking about, is that the one where the food and the and the beer is delivered in those pipes, pneumatic uh, pipes? Is that Christchurch? <laughs> that's Christchurch. That's, I think it's called A1 or C1 in Christchurch. Yeah, Christ that's Church. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an old bank or post office. Yeah, the beers don't go through there. Yeah, it's in Christchurch. I think it's I think it's called really? C1 in Christchurch. Yeah, you want to use yeah. you put beers in your medic pump. I would end up at the end. <laughs> no, they put fries in there. So it's the old um post office bank. They put beers you know, in there. Messages. No, they don't. Yeah, they dude, do. They shake it all up, <laughs> they dude. Do. They do. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll figure I'll it out. I'll send you some I'll, video I'll... evidence. Okay. Um yeah, it's amazing. If I can't believe you haven't been there, you should uh you should check it out. Um, so Bitcoin, we're replacing banks and and uh, Lightning Network and we're replacing payment processes and that kind of stuff. What does that conversation look like when you you just talked about a bar that could employ two other employees? Do they get it straight away or do you have to convince them, hey, you know, Lightning Network, fast, no fees, da-da-da. Like, how does that conversation go? Yeah, Um I've I've had the conversation a, a few times with a few different people. Uh, again, like um, Chris from Bruce of Bitcoin, he um, he suggested when you go to pay at the till of a regular merchant, a good question to ask, kind of innocently, is just do you accept Bitcoin and just just listen to what you know what you hear back, and that, that's quite interesting in itself because you get all kind of range of answers. You get everything from a flat no and kind of no discussion, or you get maybe sometimes a bit of intrigue, like, oh, can you do that? So, uh, and then sometimes you get uh, a good one I've heard typically with younger stuff is no, but we should, or no, but we might, or, um, and then one time I had it, um, you know, I was in a pizza shop and the guy said, yeah, we, the problem with accepting um, cryptocurrencies at point of sale is that they're too volatile. And I was like, wow, this guy's done his, he's done some research. This is interesting. And, yeah, I don't have an argument at the till. I just, if, as soon as they're saying, you know, whatever they say, I just pay and, you know, I pay with my card and then I cash and then walk out. So it's quite interesting having those conversations just to hear what what, what it is that the sort of the the thinking behind it or the current, I guess, the current state of um, the thinking behind it generally. Um, so that's, yeah, it's interesting. For the, for the bars that I've talked, sorry. It's Bitcoin Inception. <laughs> I feel it's like a touch point. So they, you know, it's it's completely out of the Overton window. And then if you if you sort of ask about it, it kind of just it's like an oh, you know, that's that's a thing that could happen because this guy's obviously ready to pay if we accept it. I guess it's just like so if we accepted it, he could pay with it. And I think 
I think it's like it, the question itself kind of says a lot, maybe. So, yeah. And I mean, merchants that are accepting Visa and Mastercard, they're, they're sometimes not getting the um, uh, the actual payment till like you know thirty days, sixty days, the chargebacks and fees and lots of stuff. So, um, it would be a no brainer. But of course, there's that technical hurdle. It's like, well, yeah, I want to, but how do I do it? Or it's a hassle. Or if only one in a hundred customers is going to do it, then it's probably not worth it. So. Yeah, these are the adoption pain points. Yeah, you're right. I think um, the problems with the tax and the accounting, they can be mitigated to to a certain extent. If the merchant themselves is orange-pilled, then they can buy the Bitcoin off the business at point of sale, and that's the easiest way in that they put their own money into the business and they take the Bitcoin themselves and they could see it as a – a kind of a dollar cost average essentially is is one way, but the problem is that you need an orange pilled merchant for that. And so, without a, a kind of a coin corner like solution in New Zealand yet, then that's that's the only way we can kind of get merchants on board. I feel, um, yeah. Okay, so someone listening to this, they're excited. They they have some Bitcoin. They might even have played with Lightning. Do you want to run through us? How do they get started from? start to finish, you know, the lightning node all the way up to getting a, a nice uh, etched. Well, what 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 kind of printing is on e-cards? Is it laser etched or? It's uh, it's retransfer. So there's there's a few ways of printing on the cards. And we we the ones we we do, are, they're high quality. That's all I'm going to say. But it's a very professional finish. Um, I've seen your, <laughs> your Twitter. Um, I've seen some amazing designs, like some Star Wars designs, are really intricate, fantastic designs. Yeah, really cool. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, the, yeah, we've got we work with artists as well, so we give commissions. So artists can list their designs, their bulk cards on our website. Um, Lena Seacher, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She she does the little Hodler cartoons, and so she's recently. Um, right. um, advertising her cards with us so yeah any designers who are listening and you want to make your own bulk card just get in touch we've got the design guidelines on the website um yeah so full end-to-end setup well i feel that the the the, the, the most important thing is to go from zero to one is is what i'd say and so when if i was if a new merchant was interested i wouldn't say set up your own node and, and and do all this hardcore stuff in the background i'd say look download wallet satoshi on your phone and then click on the receive button and then dial in five bucks and then I'll send you some. And then that that's how I would get anybody started with the lightning network. And then I would, I would kind of cautiously at the same time say, this is a custodial service and you're receiving, although you're receiving Bitcoin over the lightning network, wallets Satoshi custodian them. So if you, if you have a lot of Bitcoin, you'd want to withdraw them from what Satoshi. And again, it, it kind of, it, it's a bit longer than kind of here's everything end to end because it, it leaves it open-ended, but at least, at that point, they're sort of Lightning Network enabled, if that makes sense. And then um, with that proviso, yeah, so once you have quite a lot of funds on Wallet Satoshi, you should save them to a to a, a cold storage wallet, a hardware wallet or something like that. And then I think once you've played around the Lightning Network a bit, then you're like, okay, so the, the next level would probably be to use something a bit more custodial like a Breeze or a Phoenix, which I know do use LSP or Lightning service providers in the background to make it uh, non-custodial as much as possible, although obviously it doesn't work without their back-end service and there is a fee associated with that. And then the, ne- the next step after that would probably be to 
if you're you know you're a bitcoin business or you you're really you know serious about taking accepting bitcoin then yes to set up a node and i'd i'd suggest um if you want to have a, a lightning node that you control um the management of but you don't actually have, want to run the hardware yourself then voltage is a good option and that's the guy who um he does lightning nodes as a service and so i, I use his service i find it very handy um so that that would probably be the the next way probably the last thing i would do is say okay right set up a node on a computer in your house or something that would be call it sort of and that's kind of the i guess the maximum hodler uh sort of way of doing it the, the full-blown self-custody everything would be the that would be the, like the the, the far end does, does how does that sound to you guys do you think that's like a fair assessment no, I was just going to ask you, why would someone not do it? Is it just too tricky or what, why would you advise against that? It's, I guess it's not that I'd advise against it as such. I just wouldn't, it wouldn't be the the thing that I would, I would start somebody new to the Lightning Network. I'd, I'd get them to do it in steps. And I feel that the, the custodial step is a way that you can use it without having to do any technical setup. And then each each additional step adds more technical setup until mm. until you get to the full self self custody hardware solution essentially. It's yeah, it's, no, we, it's yeah. similar to Bitcoin. Like if someone's starting out with Bitcoin, you don't get them to you know set up a Linux server and set up a full node and all that kind of stuff first. It's like no, just buy a little bit of Bitcoin, five ten bucks, whatever, store it on a mobile phone. Well, it's fine. You don't even need a cold storage device, and it's that sort of iterative. Get your feet wet. You know, you're not in the deep end yet. Play with it. If you lose five bucks in a transfer, doesn't really matter. Um, that iterative approach, I think, is probably best. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Um, now, is there anything you want to shill? Is there something we haven't asked you? Is there anything you want to just plug? Um, that's a good question. I think I've plugged laserized cards quite heavily, so I appreciate that. Um, no, I think, uh, other than if you're interested in, um, learning about Bitcoin, um, uh, and you're able to get to Queenstown, be great. Sign up for my course at learnbitcoin.nz. Um, we are, yeah, if you're, if you're a merchant who's interested in knowing how to accept Bitcoin, uh, as a merchant, then you can get in touch as well. I'm more than happy to, to help. Um, help explain that um, we have I've helped a few merchants um, except Bitcoin now as well so yeah um, other, other than that no I think that's about it I'm just look. I'm, I'm doing a little bit of uh, stalking on your website um, <laughs> which by the way is is uh, is well designed too um, you had a workshop Thank recently is that right or you've got a workshop recently? Go on. Yes, I've got I've got a work, workshop starting. That's a real good idea. I should probably say when the next one's starting. It's on the um, <laughs> it's on the eleventh, I think, of next month. So eleventh um, of July. Um, so is that right? <laughs> I I don't have it in front of me right now. Um, yeah, but um, we, we, I'm, I put them on as and when. So if you're if you're interested and it doesn't the time doesn't suit you, get in touch and let me know. Um, more than happy to accommodate. I've done a remote, a few remote sessions as well. So if you're um, too far away, we can maybe sort something out. But um, yeah, other than that, um, 
Yeah, let me know. Oh, I'll do I'll do your plug for you. It's eleventh eleventh of July. So you, actually, you're right. Yep. So a uh, few spaces left for that. Um, yeah, I like how you go from sort of what is Bitcoin right down to you know secure cold storage and custodial stuff, which is kind of what we do for us as well. So uh, actually, we shouldn't have plugged that because we're competitors. No, just <laughs> no, that, that's um, all right. We're, we're not competitors. We're we're, uh, <laughs> no, we're, we're not. colleagues, I'd say. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, how, so how, no how do people sign up to your course? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just head across to BitcoinBasics.help and click on the workshop link, and you'll get the ne- next uh, next workshop info. Well, actually, we should um, talk about how we um, consolidate these workshops and work together. I'd be keen for that. Yeah. We should yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially the online workshops. So, yeah, mm. for sure. And I will have to come down to Queenstown soon, Rob. Awesome. I would great okay, to just, have you not, down here. Let me know. Not cold enough for me. I, I like it when, you know, I can't feel anything below my knees. <laughs> <laughs> if you keep a bit of skiing, I'll take you up. Sounds good. All right. I, I have wow. a unique style of skiing. I do do it on my face. <laughs> Nice. Well, thanks again, Rob, for your time. Um, I'll have all the links in the description of the show notes. But yeah, you can obviously head across to lasereyes.cards or learnbitcoin.nz. And uh, yeah, we appreciate your time. And um, we'd like to catch up with the letter and see how your project's going. And um, yeah, it's it's so exciting. You know, a lot of people say there's not a lot happening on Bitcoin, which I don't even agree with, but even if you, even if that's true, there's so much happening in Lightning and all these layer two solutions and um, super exciting. I think the last pain point for Bitcoin is that sort of merchant adopt- adoption acceptance mm-hmm. acceptance of Bitcoin. And that's, that's what you guys are tackling. So yeah, super exciting and um, looking forward to see where it goes. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Very Thank much. you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit CoinCompass.com for more information and please contact us.